Hello, my name is Bob Lentz, and I want to welcome you here to Front Row Church. Why don't you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, just two or three verses. Of course, if you don't have your Bible at hand, then I'm going to read those verses to you in just a few moments. You know, several years ago, my wife and I, we were vacationing in downtown Chicago. And it just so happened that on that particular weekend, they were running the Chicago Marathon. Now, we weren't aware of it until we got to our hotel. Cool thing about this race was that uh, from our hotel window, we could look down on the street right down below us, and we could see the runners as they came through mile marker number two. That was the first marathon I'd ever seen, so I was a bit shocked when I saw what some of the uh, runners were actually wearing. I mean, I thought it was a no-brainer. If you're going to run a marathon, you probably need to be wearing running gear. Nope. That day, some of the runners were dressed like Superman and Batman, the Hulk. A few had nursing outfits on and even a clown or two. And from my vantage point, looking down on those people, they looked like they were having a blast. I mean, they were zigzagging from one side to the other. They were high-fiving each other. They were, they were basically having their own little block party. But we could also see the next block over. And what had happened is they ran about 10 miles all the way up, and they made a big loop, and they were coming back down. And so we looked to the next uh, block over when they were coming back to mile marker number 12. And when the runners came through that area, the thing we noticed the most was there were a lot of people missing. Batman, Superman, the Hulk, all the other clowns, they were nowhere to be found. And the reason is they had given up because they weren't really serious about running the race. See, running a marathon really is serious business. I think that's why the Bible describes our life as a race. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, the word endurance in that verse implies that this, this life is a long haul. It's not a quick. I mean, it, it seems quick to us, but it, actually it's a very long haul. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, you must run this race in such a way that you'll win it. Now, I don't know much about marathons, but I do know this much. If you, if you don't know where you're going, it's pretty hard to get there. So where are we supposed to be heading as believers, if, if our life is a race, if our life is a marathon, then what does our finish line look like? Well, for me, I imagine there's a banner hanging over my life's finish line, and that banner should read something like, more like Jesus. In other words, as I'm running this race, I ought to become more loving, more forgiving, more compassionate, more tenderhearted, more gracious, more generous, all those attributes of Jesus they ought to be building more and more in me as I run this race. And if that's true, and I believe it is, then how do we reach that finish line? Well, in every marathon, there are mile markers. There are indicators of where we should be heading and where our next turn ought to be. Some of you are here today, and you, you need to hear from God about where you need to go next. That's a mile marker. In Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul gives us four of these little mile markers, these four indicators that point us towards the right direction that we should run our race for. I want to read that passage, and it's in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Paul says, 
I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking toward or forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, in that passage, I think we see four different, and I'm going to call them mile markers. The first marker is the word evaluate. First mile marker in every believer's life is to learn how to evaluate my life. You know, of all the people who should have looked at their lives and perhaps been satisfied with their spiritual achievements, you would think it would be the Apostle Paul. And surely he would have evaluated his life and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good here. But just the opposite is true. In verse 12, Paul says, you know, I've not achieved very much, and I'm certainly not as spiritual as I ought to be. I've not reached spiritual perfection. This is from the guy who saw thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people saved under his ministry. He started churches in multiple countries, and he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and he, he looked at his own life, and he legitimately said, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not nearly as Christ-like as I want to be or I should be. So what's Paul saying to you and me? Is he saying that we should never be satisfied with our lives, that we should always continually be frustrated because we're not perfect? No, no. He's simply reminding us that we need to evaluate our lives, to look at our lives in light of eternity and of reality. You know, if you want to close your eyes for a moment and pretend that you're running that first marathon, I want you to have that vision in your head for just a moment. You're at mile marker number one, so that means you haven't started throwing up yet, and you see this gigantic word across uh, the, the road, and it says evaluate or evaluation, and there's an arrow pointing straight ahead. So here are a few questions that you and I ought to ask ourselves as we run through the early stages of our race. First question, most important question, am I running in the right direction. Remember, because you're running at full steam, that doesn't mean you're heading in the right direction. Am I pursuing the right things? Am I going after what God calls me to go after? Am I listening to God's voice? And finally, am I stepping out in faith? Those are questions that you and I ought to be looking and, and using as evaluation in our life on a regular basis. Every marathon begins with a single step of faith. There's a commitment board in the back of every room where Pip's Path operates, and it's called your commitment board uh, whys. You put your whys. What is the reason that drives you? The answer to your why will usually begin with a single step of faith. You've got to determine what God is calling you to do. and That's part of your evaluation process. The strange thing is nobody else can make that decision for you. That's why it's called a step of faith. So let me remind you, when you take that step of faith, it's probably going to be scary. It may be difficult. It might even seem impossible. But it is essential if you're going to finish your race. Every marathon begins with that single step. Every runner in those gigantic crowds who run marathons, they all have to take that first step. Now, when you arrive at the second mile marker, you've put evaluation behind you. Second mile marker is in front of you, and you begin to see that word coming 
It's the word focus. It's in big, bright, bold letters. Focus. You got to learn to focus if you're going to run this race, if you're going to win the marathon. You know, the focus means you got to be willing to abandon some things, maybe even some good things, in order to concentrate on the best thing. That's what all great athletes have learned to do. They've, they've learned to concentrate, to focus on this one thing. We, we call it getting in the zone. Doesn't matter whether you're talking about Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan or Patrick Mahomes. All the great athletes, they've learned how to focus. They've learned how to get into the zone. And when they're in that zone, they don't seem to hear the crowd, fear the pain. They don't bow to the pressure of the moment. They simply do what they've been trained to do. The Bible says if you want to run in such a way as to win the race, then you've got to learn how to focus on the right thing. In verse 13, Paul says, I'm focusing on this one thing. So what do you think Paul's one thing was? Do you suppose he wanted to be uh, more prestigious in his community? Did he want more uh, influence in the church? Did he need more money? No, that's not what he was talking about. His one thing was Christ-likeness. He was focusing on becoming more and more like his master. So here's the question for you. What's your one thing? You know, we don't all have the same thing. Maybe your one thing has something to do with your marriage, that you need to focus on becoming more loving and more understanding towards your spouse. Maybe it's to become more compassionate towards your community, to really love those who can't seem to make ends meet or people who just don't look like you or talk like you. Maybe God's calling you to become compassionate towards them. Maybe God's calling you to be more generous towards the people that drive you crazy. Or perhaps God's calling you to change the direction of your life and leave a legacy that will transform your family and maybe your community for generations. Regardless of the nature of your one thing, finishing this marathon, this race that we're in, this life is going to require focus. So what's your focus on right now? You know, in every marathon, there comes a point when your body tells you it's time to give up. That's what runners refer to as hitting the wall. Experienced marathoners describe this phenomenon as running face first into a brick wall. And you've probably seen it uh, on the Olympics. Some runners, they literally, when they, when they hit that wall, they literally fall to the ground. It's like somebody knocks them out. When it comes to the next mile marker that Paul mentions, that's where most of us agree we finally hit the wall. The wall I'm talking about is forgetting the past. That's my marker number three. It's one of the hardest things any of us will ever attempt to do, forgetting the past. Paul says it like this. He says, I'm forgetting the past and I am looking towards or forward to the future. So what did he have in his past that he needed to forget? I mean, come on, this is the Apostle Paul. His past couldn't possibly be as bad and as broken or as messy as yours and mine, could it? Let's think about that for a moment. Before he was the Apostle Paul, he was just plain old Saul. He was the biggest persecutor the church had ever known. He was the guy that everybody, every Christian was afraid of because he used his power and his prestige to send people to prison for their faith. And if that wasn't enough, he also participated in the first death of the very first Christian martyr in church history. So yeah, he had a lot of baggage. 
And yet he said, you know what? I'm going to forget all the crazy stuff in my past so that it won't hinder me from doing all the good things God has for me in my future. Maybe you need to begin to think that way. i got to forget my past and begin to look towards the future. So here's what happens when you hit the wall. You look at your past. You begin to dwell on your past. And then you conclude that God could never use someone like me because of my past. And when it comes to running a successful race, you, you never see the front runner turning around and looking to see who's behind him. You know why? Because if he looks backward, he'll lose his speed, his direction, his balance, and ultimately he's going to lose the race. Now here's what we need to remember. We can't change our past, but we can change our perception of the past. And Paul's simply telling us that we don't have to let our past paralyze our future. It's always going to be there, but it doesn't have to be something that determines your next steps. That's, that's worth repeating, isn't it? Your past is always going to be there, but it doesn't have to determine your next steps. Paul says, I'm forgetting the backward look. I'm forgetting what lies behind me. I'm looking forward to what's ahead of me. So when Paul says we need to forget the past, I think what he means, we need to learn to practice what's called selective forgetfulness. You know what I mean? There's certain events and relationships and decisions that we've made in our past that need to be forgotten. They need to be buried. They need to be put away and say, yes, that's done with. But at the same time, there are failures and sins in our past that we need to learn from. So when Paul says, I'm forgetting the past, here's what he really means. I'm not going to let my past control my present because God isn't through with me yet. You know, if you're with somebody or you know somebody, you ought to say that to them. God isn't through with me yet. Isn't that that good news? There's one more mile marker, and this is the one that leads us to the finish line. This is the tough one. This mile marker reads determination. I want you to hear what Paul says after he made this decision to forget his past. He didn't sulk about what he had done. He didn't give up because he was so messed up. He didn't sink into depression like so many people do. In verse 14, Paul says, I strive towards the goal. Actually, the word strive here is translated in a lot of different ways. Depending on the version of the scriptures you have, it says, I strive, I strain, I press on, I pursue the goal. Paul chose a word that conjures up the imagery of an athlete. You don't have to become great at any sport by, or, or you won't become great at any sport by listening to lectures or sermons, sitting in a classroom or cheering others on. You see, greatness comes from the intersection of activity and determination. If you're going to become great at football or, or golf, at math, science, business, music, whatever, do you know what it takes? It takes education, it takes practice. It takes hard work, self-sacrifice, and all that wound up adds up to determination. In other words, reaching your goals isn't going to be an overnight event. It's not a sprint. This life is indeed a marathon. It's a pretty easy eye marker to identify in your own life. It just takes a minute for you to look around and see who you've let into your life, who you've surrounded yourself with, for the journey, you need to look and say, are these people, are these the people that really and truly are running in the same direction, 
doing the same things. See, if you're determined to strive and to strain and press on and pursue your goals, you better make sure the people around you understand and support your goals. Whether your goals are spiritual or physical, we need a group of like-minded people traveling on a similar journey. That's why we gather as believers. That's what the church is all about, is to challenge each other, to encourage one another, to remind ourselves of what Jesus promised us in John 10.10. Jesus said, "I've, I've come so that you may have life and live it to the fullest. So here's the question for you. Are you living life to the fullest? If not, let me tell you where it begins, where that first step towards the marathon begins. That full life begins when you step out in faith and trust Jesus for your salvation. It's when you recognize that you're a sinner and you need God's help to change your life and to change your destiny. But I want you to listen to me. That's just the beginning of your race. You see, it starts with one step, but the next step comes right on, the next step and the next step. The next step is strapping on your shoes and beginning to run the race with endurance. So by God's grace and with His power, your life and your legacy can become something that's really spectacular. The question we've got to answer for ourselves is this. Are we ready to step out in faith and run this race? Will you do what God's calling you to do starting today? If you're ready, then in your heart, in your mind, or maybe to the person sitting beside you, turn and say, I'm ready to run. Let's ask God to give us the strength to do just that. Father, we recognize that we have a race to run. It's a marathon. It's not just a sprint. We're not going to just burst out, but we want to run it with endurance. We want to make sure that the race, our life, really and truly pleases and honors you. And it begins with that first step of trusting in Jesus Christ. Would you help us, Lord, to take that first step and then strap on our shoes to run the race with endurance so that you would be pleased and others would see Christ in us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.